Sometimes the music biz is a terribly exaggerated version of high school. Sure, there are cliques and exclusionary in-crowds in all social circles and workplaces, but nothing comes close to the idiocy encouraged by music biz insiders furtively dividing and ranking people depending on something so surface as music preference. We all willingly buy into it, too. As someone who plays rock music, people have projected their dull and very outdated idea of how a rocker is supposed to behave and what lifestyle a rocker is supposed to adopt onto me, without even ever meeting me, solely based on the type of music I play. I mean, take punk rock. I look at it as one of the most rebellious forms of music, the kind of music that contains the wildest and most charismatic people one can find, at least on paper. And yet, many times, I have met the most compliant, conformist jerk-offs who play it. Indie rock is viewed as a higher, more refined form of popular music filled with sensitive, emotional artists, but behind the curtains, I've witnessed them behave like it was a poison concert with the only difference being a substantially smaller amount of hairspray. This translates back onto the audience as well. Over the years, I've been told by people who listen to the music how I should act, how I should behave, which is usually badly to uphold some ridiculous rock and roll tradition. I'm struck by these strict rules impressed upon me via a music that supposedly propagates unabashed freedom. It's one of the reasons why I love the music so much, and yet here I am being handed a rule book to follow. I guess what I'm trying to say is people tend to blindly roam within the square boxes built for them like caged pets, not realizing that there really aren't any rules to begin with, especially in something so unrestrained as music. The small amount of self-appointed gatekeepers lining up to tell us what music to listen to, how to listen to it, and with whom to listen to it with is staggering. Usually, and by usually I mean 99% of the time, when I've met these people, the one thing that struck me was their musical knowledge flatlined after Nevermind by Nirvana. Anyways, regardless of these rules, I believe, given a realistic space of time to work within, like minds, like spirits, people cut from the same cloth will eventually find each other. This overrides any silly regional differences, any fleeting social groupings. It can begin with something so minuscule as noticing someone laughing at a joke nobody else finds funny but you, or liking a band or movie nobody thinks is any good but you. And then you build on that. When I met Toronto rapper Derek Kristoff, aka Decisive, 13 or 14 years ago at, of all places, a comedy club watching Nick Flanagan do stand-up comedy, I do believe there was some recognition between the two of us that, despite what may have been outward differences in social crowds, etc., we were on the same wavelength. Since those early beginnings, I have watched Decisive's career blossom, and he's done it on his own terms. In the conservative cutthroat world of hip-hop, it's refreshing and heartening to see Decisive's on-point but out-of-the-box style embraced. Often people wonder how someone such as Derek can keep things so fresh. I submit this podcast as proof that in order to maintain an edge, you have to be very aware. You have to have a keen sense of humor and the ability not only to laugh at a joke, but become submersed in it, all while remaining outside looking in. Nick and I met up with Decisive a little before Christmas a few months ago to discuss, reminisce, and dish.
anyone interested in checking out his sizable body of work, go to urbnet.com, U-R-B-N-E-T.com. Again, thank you to Skull Candy Headphones and Blue Mic Microphones for helping support this podcast. Thank you to you for listening to this podcast and everyone who's left a comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please keep them coming. Much appreciated. Okay, Derek Kristoff, a.k.a. Decisive, is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. So we got Decisive on the podcast today. Decisive. Very happy. We've known this guy. We we both met Decisive together, I believe. Probably, yeah. At the top of the uh, um, Rancho Relaxo. Jerky Treats. For the Jerky Treats. It's been discussed on the show before, I believe, Jerky Treats. And he Has would, it? Yeah. Have we talked about it? Yeah. And yeah. he was one of the guys who was there every week when you and I would go and... You would that do was, your stand-up? And I became the king of jerky treats for a period of time. Man, were you yeah. there? Were you there that one night? Or maybe two? There was one night where it was like, if you had been a fly on the wall, you would have sworn this guy was going to be on The Tonight Show like next week. I don't know about that. Do you remember that? I think the thing well, was, there was this really weird combination of people, first of all, uh, I don't know, of people being like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And then being like, this is oh, sort of funny. So there was like, everyone, you know, which is like one of the most fun things in that's in comedy to experience when you're watching comedy. People were fucking going, fun or good. During other people's sets. Were you part yeah, of yeah. that crowd? No, yeah, for sure. And well, then, I think that's how we became friends. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, we, well, there was like, supportive. I was there with another comedian, but yeah. I think I approached you like on some like fanboy shit like I need to know this guy I was I think you, I used to request jokes if you remember that oh shit you actually gave me jokes you didn't actually just request jokes you gave me a joke once again I talked about it before but it's such an interesting thing about like 13 years ago like nobody knew each other everybody kind of was starting off at the same time and even someone like you was like probably just starting to yeah. like really you know as a, a musician like go for it and and but in comedy in that scene everybody was really really like like scared of each other but manifesting it in like kind of like seeming judgmental or dickish yeah. like people were way I feel like now the Toronto comedy scene is like all hugs and smiles and shit but like 13 years ago jerky treats I feel like it was just a bunch of scared men you know like yeah. waiting for like the few people who were like really good to perform like you know like Mark Forward or uh Fraser Young or something. Well, that's what's crazy because I used to go every week, mm -hmm. like jerky treats, the amateur night at Yuck Yucks when it was like the Monday nights. I don't yeah. know if it still is. I think it's Wednesdays now. Yeah, but I went like heavy and then I just, you know, I kind of stopped going, you know, and because of the friend that I would go with, we just, you know, kind of drifted apart and I stopped going completely but what's kind of cool now is to see like you mentioned mark forward mm -hmm. and there are a bunch of guys that i'll see on like television like comedy now and and mm -hmm. now and i can say like i've seen their first sets you yeah. know so it like totally relates to like and myself as like a super fan of comedy it's cool to be able to say that that i've you know i watched that when it happened like it's kind of like watching a band before they got signed yeah right and i'm pretty much like the majority of like Toronto comedians or people from 
other places that moved to Toronto from that time period like I've seen them all like their yeah. first set like bombing completely like, <laughs> and there are even a bunch that I was like oh man these guys are shit some of them but, like, still suck yeah <laughs> that I actually walked by the other day and saw the poster and there was like two or three where I was like this guy's still doing it people don't leave here because the stakes are so low you know yeah. what I mean like it's like even if you're like a working comic in uh, it's kind of like music probably like even if you're a working comic in Canada you are uh, working another job in Canada, you know, like oh, more, sure. like like maybe eight times out of ten. I, I, I saw. Speaking of uh, early sets, I saw Russell Peters open up for Farside at the Opera House. That's crazy. And How he did got it go? booed. Yeah, yeah. He got so booed that I was like, "This guy, who, what's this guy think he's doing?" And then I saw him on the cover of Now, and then I saw him warm up a crowd in between the tapings of a comedy Now. Yeah. Uh, show and he destroyed like just he was just the MC warming up like off camera just yeah. warming up the crowd and I remember I went up to someone who was part of the production team mm -hmm. and I said to her uh, that guy was the funniest guy tonight and that was before he blew up the way he did he was like the original Drake Huh? Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> you I actually get it. I, well, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can see yeah. that. It's like, I think he really embodied, like, a thing about Toronto. You know, the way I think, like, Drake kind of represents a certain way that a lot of people are in Toronto. Like, I feel like that was why Russell, like, nobody, like, he, only someone from here who, only Russell Peters could have had the, like, worldwide success. He had this vaguely hip-hop Indian guy thing. That's, cr that's insane. Yeah, he did, you know? he used to, he, that's how I first found out about him not through comedy was mm -hmm. he used to DJ on Mastermind on Mastermind Street Jam oh I didn't know he did that, that. Used to come at CHRY mm -hmm. yeah, or CKLN no Mastermind was Mastermind did a Energy a 108 oh like, yeah oh, he had like okay. he kind of yeah. he may have started I, yeah, yeah I remember because I was at CHRY when Mastermind was yeah on uh, college radio but yeah that's uh, there was always that weird thing for a few years where there was like urban stations that would then take like some serious DJs, like, uh, no pun intended, not DJ Serious, but other DJs. Well, speaking of DJ Serious, <laughs> then um, I think after the, the Jerky Treats where I met you, uh, the next time I saw you, I think, was on the set of a DJ Serious video shoot. Right, because that was your <laughs> yeah. song. Right? No, it wasn't no, your no, song. No. Oh, it was another one. No, it was just a bunch of us, like, as extras, <laughs> you know, what? sitting around just... Just was nothing. it Nish Rocks in the Chinese restaurant? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were yeah. there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the next Crazy. time I saw you, and then you were also on that album. Yeah, like well, two, two or three songs. And that was something, like, when we first, after we first met, I was kind of like, Jesus, this guy's, like, done a bunch of shit. Like, your life, because really, I said you were just starting, but that's not really true, because you were, like, a teenager, right? When you were, like, rapping, right? Like, when um, I first you were, started. You were with, like, Len, or doing stuff with Len, right? Yeah. Like, uh, Pre-Steal My Sunshine, right? Like around the same time, around when, when that started, that's like an insane. Yeah, what's that's the, a what's pretty crazy sto story. What's the story that, en that P, ended right? that ended badly? Plant yeah, P, are you guys? Me and P are cool. Okay, but there was he's a cool guy. I like him a P, lot. P's amazing, and he, for what it's worth, like mm -hmm. this is kind of like a, a shitbag thing to say, but it's just like he's kind of the one who like discovered me. He was the first guy to ever give me like. A shot yeah you know 90 95 i was 15 years old was, like terrible but yeah. you know as terrible as any 15 year old kid would be i guess outside of earl i guess yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah really but yeah so he gave me a shot and i because they used to throw a weekly planet mars and it's it but kensington market on college and i think augusta college in augusta but it was in the back of it was called the african lion 
was it African something South center? African center. Yeah, South yeah, African center. We all were there. I hate that sure I said African lion. Why did I just say African lion? South African center was like definitely, uh, it's where this place neutral is, which is like a goth bar now. It used to be the Lions Club also. And yeah, then it no became yeah, South places. African center. Yeah. So I would, I, would keep, I would keep going back there. And my, my rap name at the time was Malicious. Of course. And um, I remember my first show I did there, I that was the night I decided, well, because I used to go by Malicious, the decisive MC. Ooh. So I actually like that. So then at the, <laughs> it was that day that I actually decided I'm going to change it. I'm going to change Malicious and just drop it and go with decisive. And then so that night we I did my set with my group that I was in then. And a guy like fully like called me out because his rap name was Malicious as well. <laughs> so F Planet P called me up and it's like, I got this guy that wants to battle. And I was like, what? He's like, battle for the name. And you were 15 battling for yeah. the name Malicious. That I, yeah, that I wasn't even using anymore. Did okay. you win? Is yeah. That how, yeah, you yeah, won. Yeah, I did. I won. Yeah. Do you know that guy? You know Malicious? Old no. Malicious? Do you no. know uh, Malachi the Nutcracker? <laughs> I know Malachi the Nutcracker well. But anyways, from there, then I just rolled with Phil and uh, Abdominal and the, like Cryptic Souls crew. And then they became friends with uh, Mark Costanza mm -hmm. from Len and... Derek McKenzie and then just it just felt like overnight those guys were just around all the time or we were involved in there and it seemed like from there there was this like long term sort of scene in Toronto that was like you had like all these different DJs who were really skilled and and like and and people and like rappers I don't know I feel like there's like a lot of talent that actually is in was in Toronto from like the 98 or 99 on and you know, it was just really a question of the usual thing of like, well, where can it, <laughs> where can it go? Yeah. You know, like, and it, and truthfully, you know, it really went nowhere. You yeah. um, also went across country with our sound man. Remember that? Yeah, Corey. For, yeah, for the Corey Shields is our sound man, and um, <clears throat> Sirius DJ Sirius did a cross Canada tour, and you were on it. Nish Rocks was on it. Who else was on it? There's a couple other people. Uh, it was me, Nish. And uh, just two break dancers from Bag of Tricks. Right, and and I remember Corey coming home from the tour, going, "Yeah, uh, yeah, you and Decisive would probably get along." <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Well, well I, I remember know him. I know Why I were you know. just like quiet, not doing much, hanging out?" Well, I no, those guys were pretty much you that, like you know, like smoking weed. I was I was hanging out references. That I would hang out with Corey all the time. Yeah, like on that on that entire tour, and I remember like even. Like the long ten-hour treks, you know, everyone would be sleeping in the van, and I would be sitting in the front with Corey while yeah. he like drove, and we just it's really like, important hung to be out. a good shotgun guy. Yeah, you, know, you can't fall asleep in that shotgun. Yeah. I was a good shotgun yeah. guy. At some point, you know, maybe a few times. It really depends on your mentality. Like I've stayed over at people's houses a million times, and again, this is something I think we've talked about here, but it's like such an interesting. I think it's so interesting. Like just that in rock and in or music and any kind of touring. You fucking wind up sleeping on some, at some guy's house. But you know? as a as a as a rapper, because you save money. Do you, you know? go on tour? Like, how does that even work? Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm always interested. You've been to Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember seeing you guys in Europe once. No way. Yeah, or no, I don't think I saw you. I think I saw Corey. Oh, he should have told like, me. Or no, how how did it work? But I think it was at like Leeds and Reading or oh one oh, of those. You toured the UK with DJ Format. Yeah. Yeah, which was another like uh, connection through abdominal. That's he cool. um, yeah he he did a lot of work with DJ Foreman out there, 
and they had like a couple of big songs and then when they did when he when format did his sophomore record they wanted to expand like he was thinking about maybe uh starting a band or just to make it more than just a turntablist and a right, rapper getting something together. and then abs recommended me and uh, i remember abs calling me up and just saying hey i'm doing this i didn't really think anything of it because and expect like not even so not just then even now you get so many empty promises that never yeah. happen so he's like yeah man i'm gonna talk to format maybe we can go on tour in the uk and i'm like okay but like really i'm like sure whatever it's not gonna happen yeah. but for sure and then so we ended up recording one song a week later yeah. and then like two weeks later i get this itinerary it's like you know 30 shows in 35 days like just right. like insane like and like my first show was like leeds and reading that was like my first Okay, show. and I walk out and and they're like mind you I'm not sitting here boasting by any means because I'm like the third wheel like nobody has any idea who I am but it's like my first show I walk out in front of like 10,000 people and I'm just like what is happening here but that, like, that's an interesting thing about yourself that's like I think is, is weird it's like you do something like that but then you kind of have like the technical skill that it's gonna it's good that's gonna be fine right do you know what I mean like I like you're you're like a pretty skilled rapper so it's like I, I guess I don't even really have a question. It's just like, it's just like, is that weird knowing that you're like <laughs> capable at any point? Well, I see what you're saying, but yeah. like, I got shit on a lot on that tour. I yeah. can swear, right? That's fine. Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, I got shit on like a lot on that tour because By like British people, because like abdominal and I are like two. I love you, Ringling. We're completely different artists, you know. Yeah. Like, and at that time, like he had a song called the hit song and he just every line is just he'd incorporate the word hit like the song's a hit more hits than Barry Bonds and more hit you know it's, it's a good song yeah. but like we're just completely different styles <laughs> right so when a lot of the reviews would come out and I'd be excited because I had never really been in mm -hmm. mentioned in anything before like at that level but then I'm just getting shit on right. everything like everyone I remember doing one show I think it was in like Brighton and the entire time there was like a guy just like this <laughs> sticking his middle fingers up just standing right there and everyone else is just kind of enjoying the show because a lot of if you listen to the format songs it's like I guess dancey yeah. I don't want to say poppy but like I don't know happy yeah you know a total opposite of anything that I make right right and just standing and I'm just trying I'm trying to ignore it and I'm trying to fight the urge to like kick this guy in the fucking face like I'm just like yeah, but but you know you just take it but I've never experienced that because then when I come home it's not like I'm doing anything remotely big like that here but I have like my crowd I have my underground my backpackers my freestylers and I'm you've got your, I'm you've got your king of the, the king like, of the dot people like I'm fine here but then I go over there and it's like I'm so excited you know I'm like mm. and especially the first show being that so it's like mm. he had we had this whole th routine in the track where he's just mm. like now introducing because abs can rap really fast and yeah. say a lot of words so he does this whole thing and hypes me up and I walk out nobody has a fucking clue who I am but you know and then I have it on tape and there's just like 10,000 people lose their shit and I'm like right. I'm fucking famous man yeah. this shit's going down now and then we're like where's the next show and they're like Brighton and I'm like I'm ready to kill it and the whole time a <laughs> guy's just sticking his middle I'm like what happened to Leeds and Reddit that's Festival? a funny thing right when you get excited <laughs> you've talked about that before right Danko like like touring 
and stuff and dealing Whoa, with the person. My the, God. the two middle finger person is like a mainstay, it seems like, <laughs> in certain types of concert and, and situations. I've, I've, I've fucked with those people before. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun. It's fun yeah. as hell. At that time, I didn't have the confidence or, right, or right. any preparation. Oh, it's day two, whereas right? now, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. now, it's like, yeah. I'm more known for, I'm not trying to take the story from you, but I'm like more known for like my banter than I am for the actual songs. Like, <laughs> like people come to my shows to hear like... That was another thing. I Even back then, I remember when we first met you, everyone would talk like about your live shows like it was the craziest thing in the world. And I went and I saw... I can't remember if it was the one at the Drake or the one at the Horseshoe. I went to one and it was, it was, it was great. And it was, but you would have like comedians up and you would have... Like what kind of things would what was like what would you do at at, at some like of the back shows? then yeah back then back then it was like that's when I think you're probably talking around like 2001 yeah between time. 2001 and three probably yeah around. it was yeah, it, yeah it, I, I focused more on like theatrics back then like uh -huh. I used to like and you know and it obviously shows I was going to comedy nights like yeah. four <laughs> nights a week right so that like I love that so I always wanted to incorporate that. Um, kind of shit in my shows and I don't know they would I'd go to Malabar and just rent like costumes like mascot <laughs> costumes it'd be fucking weird shit and then like and then I'd get like then I was, the next thing I know like I'm on the cover of Now Magazine right. and you know I have management contacting me from like the states yeah. like it's just like it was just such a weird I've had so many weird times that, in my life yeah. but but it was always like and it this is not a feel sorry for me thing but like I was always missing one thing and then, fi then finally, I kind of disappeared, and I come back in 2008 with actual right. music, and <laughs> no one's like, it's all gone. Uh, you know, like all the opportunities. We, yeah, are... we got that shit too. Yeah, yeah. it's just crazy. I remember we sh we um, we sh we uh, serviced our demo tape to some producers and record labels. They go, you you don't got the songs. Like we're, we're, yeah. you only got a one, uh, two parts. You got this thing and this thing that's kind of a, a chorus, and then you got a verse type thing, and then. We came back to the same people in 02, 03, and they're like, you know, let's do an album like, see, the hives are really big, and they're doing what you were doing back in 96. <laughs> we got to do it. The same people who told me that we just have one verse and one chorus yeah. are, were the same people. And that's when I just, I just, I remember it too. I was in a, I was in a um, Sault Ste. Marie in a motel talking to this big time producer who told me in 98 that, we didn't have the songs. In 2002, he told me that we got to do this shit you were doing in 98. And that's when I realized these people, no matter how vaunted they are, they do not know what the fuck they're talking no, about. No, zero. But, but more than that, it's like the, the chutzpah that it takes to fucking just do that, to like say the thing that's the opposite, opposite of, that you, of the thing you, you said before and act like everything's normal ah. when you've actually completely contradicted your own wisdom and like are, it should all be in question, you know? It's, it's, it's amazing to me. And it's that, the, the sad thing is it's that kind of bullshit that seems to impress people and get those people jobs. And, and, yeah. You know, like it's, well, hey. Well, that, that, that's the kind of thing that has maybe irritated me the most and I guess now we're kind of we're kind of going <laughs> down we're going down angry avenue. I want to go into I want to go into positive avenue after angry avenue all right <laughs> and then you're re and then you're reading all the reviews and every Jew, like, 
every paper, I'm not exaggerating, every newspaper, like with their Juno prediction, who will win, Cardinal, dangerous, right. who should win, decisive. Oh, but nice. I'm like, so you're saying I got a shot? Like, shit's going to fuck on my birthday, it's going to go down. And then... The winner, and it's on TV, so because they always rotate when the rap. Did you get up before they even announced it? (laughs) And I'm even, and I'm even. My seat was like far from the stage. I'm behind like Nickelback, but you're like a distance. I'm like, Mm. ah, it's okay. It'll be an interesting. It'll be fun. Walk up like wrestling. Like, no, just be like, you're like doing the family circus. You're doing the family (laughs) circus drawing of like Jeffy taking the the fucking thing. Oh, I hope not me doesn't get in the way of uh, my way to the stage. <laughs> and then Cardi just that name gets read off the yeah. card. I'm like, and he's on the second row. He's the second row or something. already up. The, he read it himself. He You're done, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was it. Then reality set in. And but you must have been um, a little bit. <laughs> you might. You must have been a little bit like, well, that's okay, right? Like, oh I mean, yeah, you know, it's yeah. not like you were against someone. Someone like Cardinal Official has just has like. In That's Canada. a good guy to lose to. Yeah, he just has set. at the time. He's very talented. At, yeah, well, because yeah. that was a big now, song. Now, if you lost to him, it would be weird. But it would well, be like, you know, we took a flight with him maybe uh, maybe two years ago, three mm-hmm. years ago. He was in first class. Yeah, his his uh, his his crew were sitting with us in yeah. economy. <laughs> I, I mean, I just I, I don't know. I feel like there's like a whole world of Toronto musicians who somehow managed to like make a pretty awesome living, and I'm sure they haven't had. What's I mean, that guy, Sean? What's that guy? Sean Desmond? No, 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 not Sean Desmond. <laughs> Sean Paul. Cullen? Sean Cullen? Paul. Well, Sean the, Paul is like and Car- a huge Cardinal artist. is in the uh, video. I'm sure that money's still pouring in. How about uh, HDV? Oh, God. Well, what about Devin, right? I'm a pick of the money. What about Devin, Devin, Mr. Metro? Mr. Metro. Oh, what about Rumble, Safe, you know? Like I grew you up... Got, I grew up... A lot Duff- of Canadian... I grew up in Dufferin's Eglinton area, like Eglinton Oakwood. Yeah. And I remember one day I went Fairbank Park where my building was... And I used to go there every day. And summertime, school's out, so my friends and I would either be there or at the swimming pool. <laughs> I must have been like 10, I guess, 1990. And Devin was there playing softball yeah. with like a bunch of friends. But I remember that being like a super like mindfuck to me. I was like, what's Devin doing right. here? Like, and those are the times where you think anyone who's on much music is like famous. Yeah, you know, I'm just Hollywood, like, man. Yeah. <laughs> like Once Devin remember- is here, and I'm saying to my friends, do you know who that is? <laughs> no. Right. Like, and the, the 10-year-old that didn't give a shit. I was at a concert once at uh, Sneaky D's in Toronto. I was like a teenager. It was before Pulp Fiction. Uh, it was it was this band Wig was playing. Ooh. And uh, Nash, I remember Wig. And uh, Nash Cato from uh, Urge <laughs> Overkill Over comes in and is watching the show. And I'm like... To my, to my friend, I'm like, that's Nash fucking Kato! <laughs> like, what are you doing? You just read about this guy twice in Spin, and you're acting like he's your dad or something that you haven't seen in 30 years? Like, Did you go up to him? Did you go up to him? No, I was too scared. And I also had a Devin moment also where we were like outside of this like day Beck concert right when Loser came out and uh, at the Rivoli. And um, yeah, he like passed by. Was like that's Mr. Metro. <laughs> it's like, and you know, it's weird that. Um, and he had a softball equipment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a big bag. And, and you were chasing him, and there was like, <laughs> you know, there was so many fans like that that because now I know why videos, he had the baseball mitt. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, look you know? at all the washed-up wrestlers who used to be superstars now. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to call anyone out. They're awesome, even when I see them today, but they're not doing well. No. Well, I didn't realize how, like, how ill, like, Bobby Heenan is He's now. very old, though, isn't he? Yeah. Have you heard him in an interview? He's, no. Like, his, I don't know. He, I think that he had his, like, his jaw removed. Oh, like, wow. that's, that doesn't have to do with wrestling, though. No, 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 no. no. Cancer. He had, like, <laughs> oh, cancer. Right. But I'm just saying, like, so then, because I, I was, like, I was... I looked him up and I was just reading shit and like I think it was like two years ago and he's at an autograph signing but it's like yeah you're like this guy is ailing but, why is he doing yeah. this yeah and, yeah. and he's it, it looked like so shitty like just like mm-hmm. a fold up table like yeah. nothing that you'd yeah. even think like you know like you think because to us like to me Heenan's like fucking yeah. royalty Royal. he's, the like, weasel, he's the weasel man best. he's the best yeah. yeah but then just to see him there and he's giving the thumbs up mm-hmm. and it just looks dirt like he's in yeah. like a garage yeah and it's I, just and, and you that know movie, that the, the wrestler really captured it I think yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it did and I mean it's funny but you know you see that in fan conventions with sci-fi and horror actors you know like it's just it's across the board like something that can happen to entertainers I think you know yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah. it's sad to say but well, it's like, like Corey Feldman still does those really signings you know he was yeah. that one recently and Corey Feldman just... is probably one of the better off like child catastrophes yes yeah. <laughs> did you see his last music video he I made? heard about it amazing the one amazing. the one take yeah the one take one it's amazing brilliant you read his book choreography no. <laughs> read, read. You take it to the next level no uh, but you know what I want to read choreography too? is amazing right the introduction to I, I bought it the first day came up this. and even just from the introduction I was like this like I'm I, I, like I have I like read I'm obsessed with Corey Feldman but like but I, I ha- like I watched the video. I sent them to my friends. Like, did you watch it? Dude, I saw it like five times. Did you see him in the figure skating competition in the UK? <laughs> Look that up. And he, and when he does his, pro- it's like a battle of the blades type show. Right, like, right, he, right. He dances, and that when he his promos, he even he puts on like a bit of a fake really? English accent. Uh-huh. Like, and because there's one where he finally gets to do Michael Jackson, a Michael Jackson song. Yeah, he and then this thing and then he, him. yeah, and he goes. I think because of my history with Michael Jackson, my ability to dance, and he's talking. I'm like, this guy's blowing my fucking mind. Like he's the like, and then I hear that, and I'm like, he's the greatest person alive, right? And yeah, all my right. friends are like, this guy's a loser. What do you care so much? But when I got the book, yeah. the introduction, like not even in chapter, like you think maybe chapter halfway through, it's gonna get when we get to the Goonies, it's gonna get real. Never gets real. No, it's real from page oh, one. Yeah. Just starts with. I woke up to a hundred text messages telling me Corey Hayman had passed away. And it's like, everything was a blur. I tied up my bathrobe. Like, every detail is like, he's putting, like, because he thinks he's fucking killing it. And I looked at it. my expensive toilet paper and I thought, <laughs> but, if only I could have used this as a tourniquet yeah. for Hayman's Hames, <laughs> emotional wounds. Is, I, 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 you know, he goes, I make my way slowly down the steps and my publicist, and like your publicist is there, you wake up in the morning, your publicist is at your house, and the, the, he's like, the press is is about to create a... And I love talking to his voice and his fake figure British skating voice. accent. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. But that's what he's like. Says. Yeah, he's like, they're about to start a press conference outside of my garage. And he goes, but I can't even think straight. My best friend had just passed away. And then my publicist is hounding me. And this is said in the book. My publicist is hounding me. You need to release a statement and speak to press. I can't even think. All I want to do is take a shower. And then I look at my publicist and I say, 
call Larry King. And I was like, yeah. Like, I'm getting hype at home. Like, you know, like my girl's getting, she's like, shut up. I'm like, no, you don't get it. You, Larry King. Uh, I, I read a, a big article about that book now that I think of it because it's, it's pretty recent, right? Yeah, it just came out. And it was so depressing because it really outlined all of the stuff he talked about. And it really outlined that he is more than willing to us uh, say things that happened to Corey Haim that you, people might not want to, if I were Corey Haim, I might not want to have there. Oh, you know, like, really? it was just, oh, a lot Jackson. of molestation stuff, a lot of drug stuff. Corey you know. Haim's molestation? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little bit. That's, so, not for, that's not his tale to tell. Oh, and I don't even think that was even told when Corey Haim was alive. <laughs> no, and he just, yeah. he brought it all out yeah. after Haim yeah. died. That's because his, he knew it's, it it's his trump card. He says, like, his first time he says he met Corey Haim was, like, that Corey Haim was, like, hey, this guy had sex with me. Why don't we, or, like, you know, why don't we do the same? You know, like, like it was just, it's just really dirty. But the crazy thing is that it's so depressing, and it's really this interesting thing about people who do things that you like. Because, okay, I liked Corey Haim in Stand By Me, and, or Corey Feldman in Stand By Me. And I like Corey Feldman in the, the Goonies, and the, and, the, and I like them him so much in those two movies that just like you said, there's some element of me that's like thinks he's okay or something. I don't know. And I didn't even like him in Lost Boys. I thought he was already irritating by the time Lost yeah. Boys came along. And he was trying. He had to, long hair. Yeah, and he's trying to do this fucking shtick with Corey Haim that kind of sucks. And Lost Boys a bit overrated anyway. <laughs> I, I, and I feel that. I feel that. And I and mind you, with what I'm about to say, I have to put the disclaimer that I still love Corey Feldman. But I feel like Feldman took him down I feel like because like Lucas is like one of my favorite movies of all time that's and, good that's a really and, good and like, but movie. like if you look at Haim like Haim could have Haim could have been something I believe it I think Haim could have I don't Maybe know a bit of I, River Phoenix type or something I feel like it, who also and, but, then, but then I even feel that if, if Haim got the right Role when he came back. Oh, that would have been. I feel like he totally could have. Different. He could have done his like Mickey Rourke, his wrestler. Like sure. if he could have just got the right. I think Feldman then just said, "Hey, let's do this fucking A and show." The two glories so were much, back, bro. It takes so and then much was just down. Yeah. He used to live. Uh, he used to work at the Indigo bookstore, yeah, man. And we used HMV to go. We used too, to go right? look at him. Like Didn't you work at HMV. Yeah. A friend of mine told me this, and now I'm totally being Corey Feldman. <laughs> wow! But like, a, but you didn't grow yeah. up. With, you <laughs> yeah, know yeah. What I mean, it's, a friend it's okay. of mine worked at the HMV, and his mom used to come down all the time and buy DVDs for him. Because I guess when he finally moved back here from LA, he was defeated, whatever, finished, and his mom used to go and buy DVDs for him. Like she'd go downstairs, and then he'd say it was like clockwork. Two or three hours later. Haim would come down and like return them. I uh, the thing that's weird is. Do you think Feldman's self-aware though? Like, do you think no, he knows what he's no. doing? No, that video alone should tell you. I think I think that some Michael degree. Jackson moves in like yeah. 2013, but it makes 2012. It, but that's what's bizarre to like, and that's what keeps me coming back. Is I guess there's a little bit of me, like you know the Goonie, the Goonie fan, really? that wants to think that he knows what he's doing because what person would do this and even if you read the stories about him mm. and Michael Jackson he's like mm -hmm. he's like throwing him under the fucking bus yeah. but like Michael Jackson kind of like if you the story he kind of sells them all it all happened on September 11th that's when it all went fucking downhill <laughs> right yeah they were together in New York September 11th, 2001. Who was together? Michael Jackson and Corey Feldman. There's no a way. There's a photo of them in the book. It's their last photo together, and it so was September crazy. 11th. That's and a then long they, friendship. And then they woke up, you know. and it 
all that shit happened. Where did they and wake Michael, up? Like, we're well, not together, oh, but okay. like in the hotel or whatever. And Michael Jackson just left him in New York. Like Michael Jackson got in his private jet and fucking go. bounced. But that's go, Feldman's Corey. account of it, right? Oh, you know, and by like, the way, yeah, for Corey Feldman to be like, I can't fucking believe uh, Michael Jackson took off on me. <laughs> I can't believe two adult men separated the day of a disaster. <laughs> you know, it's like. But then you hear the story of them yeah. becoming friends, like on the Goonie set, sure. and they used to talk on the phone for like three hours, and like Feldman's like. And Michael Jackson's twenty six. And and Feldman used to be jealous of Webster because he wanted to be he wanted to be doing with Webster. He wanted to be carried. that friendship. And then what? <laughs> he wanted to be always hoisted. It's like crazy, a little koala bear. But it's just I don't I I don't get how someone can be that not self aware. I, I like, think I think that at some point because what fame does to you, you yeah. yeah, you've been famous since you're yeah. eight. But, 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 but he's gotta know fame. he's gotta know that he's getting clowned. Like no. even like the when the Vice article, did you read that? Oh about when the they sex went, with him or whatever, like his, the orgy his sex in parties. his house or whatever. And yeah. like so he they were able to get in. It's a, it, that's actually an amazing read. And they kinda like just broke down the party. So Feldman invites Vice and lets and him come in. Yeah, Feld because Feldman's trying to become the next what's his name? I can't think of his name. Fucking Playboy. Hugh Hefner? Yeah. So he has like Corey's Angels. And he, he has these parties at his house. and Prostitutes. You, and you pay, yeah. <laughs> and you pay like there's packages. Like we can go, but we'd have to pay like there's a $500 package where you get a girl for the night. Like, you know, you get your own. It's, it's crazy. You can find it. So then Vice got in somehow. They said, we're going to do an article. And then they stayed that it, like they took pictures of the part like everything they wrote they had, there's a photograph like that's the the captions are the best part like and this guy is just like kind of a dirty house like it's just yeah. like it's the most creepiest party of all time and, and made, then they yeah. released the article and then now I think Feldman's like threatening to sue them for defamation so this just got released I mean, like, like maybe two a months, months ago, ago. Yeah, 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 months yeah. ago so it's fairly yeah. recent. this was around the same time I read that article about the book there was this uh, other article about him having sex which if you think about it. Is maybe it's bad press, but it also coincided with the release of his book. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of like so many articles these days. It makes the writer seem like a creep because they're like, "Oh, and then I made out with this guy who said he was friends with Corey." You know what I mean? Like it's someone who's like, "So they ah, part, so I thought I would fucking go to Corey Feldman's thing to have fun, you know, to make fun of him, and then he fucked me, and whatever. He's a loser, and it's just like." But oh, they partook in sucks. everything that yeah, they that were he was offering. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, so that kind of makes them... But that's society nowadays, is this thing where people go like, oh, I'm participating in this bullshit. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, it's yeah. weird. And yeah. it's, it's like, yeah, of course I suck this, this dictator's cock. Because I needed to, I needed to write about <laughs> I needed it. another <laughs> paragraph. Yeah, exactly. paragraph. And you know, like, it was a bitter taste. It left a bitter taste in my mouth. Oh. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, when you watch, kind of embarrassing to say, but like I, I remember finding out the release date. Like I can't let you. I'm just. I don't remember what the release date of the book was, but I remember it being like, let's just say fucking November 10th. I'm just throwing November 10th out there, and that's Tuesday, and books come out on a Tuesday. So, and I'll, and I don't know why, but it was like Saturday morning. I woke up, and my kids still asleep. My girlfriend still asleep. And I remember just going on on the Indigo website and just typing in choreography just to make sure it was still Tuesday. And they have the section of the website where it says, like, 
check store availability and just for the hell of it i just like ah, eh, let's just click and then i just see unavailable unavailable because it comes out tuesday but then i saw world's biggest bookstore five and it's like seven in the morning i'm like what the fuck and i'm just like then i'm trying to make excuses with my girlfriend maybe we should go downtown like maybe and she's like well i don't know maybe we could just go kick in the park i'm like yeah well you know you gotta get anything by world's biggest bookstore like i just had to go in that day and then like i buy the book i'm like what am i who am I? I don't even yeah. But you but got had, it on the Saturday? Duh, it was sold. And, and, and bought, sorry. But. You f- finished it, what, Sunday oh, night or yeah, something? Was he much. selling it? Like, it? like, was he the cashier? <laughs> <laughs> the little visor? I tweeted know? him not too long ago, too, and he really replied back. No! Oh, wow. uh, how is that for you? What kind of feeling yeah, is that? I can't remember what the tweet was. It was incredible. <laughs> you guys have to watch the fucking Larry King Hulu show, by the way. Have you seen my Instagrams I put up? Yes, I am. It's crazy, right? Yeah, I, I, I will. <laughs> Is that how we end it? Yeah. <laughs> no, say, say it again. You guys have to. No, 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 no. The game. <laughs> the game is to be sold, must be told. <laughs> is where you in the bottom of my shoes meet. Decisive, you will respect me. I'm Fred Astaire on the canvas. I'm Sammy Davis. Gregory Hines in his tap shoes on cracked pavement. You're in the presence of a champion who's half made it. Nobel holding up his pants with his hands raised up. Skipping rope in a dim, damn basement. Shadow boxing between the wall and a lampshade. All I see is you and my level of anger races. I jab stronger and harder and move caffeinated. A combination of passion and rage. A raging bull in a china shop. Shattering glasses and vases. I want your blood splattered on your fans' faces. The fans who never asked me to autograph my name. A name nobody knows. From the waterfronts to the suburbs. The projects to the barrios. Mighty Kong to white dreads and college dorms. Lit splits burning like Paul Walker with Marley on. Blanco on a Ducati rolling up to Yo Adamo. And pierce two shots through your Bugatti door. Adios. On to the next. I'm off. Gone with the wind. I want to see fireworks exploding above me. A sold out crowd on their feet. Crying, telling me they love me. My album loud on the speed curve. Maybe I won't, maybe I will. Maybe I won't, maybe I will. Maybe I won't, maybe I will. There's a thousand you's and only one of me.